Here's a question. Leon and Malcolm, do you plan on retiring? Yes, I think I do, although I'm enjoying it a bit at the moment, so we'll see. And the question to ask, how's that going to happen? Um. <laughs> how's it going to happen? I just don't go into work one morning. <laughs> Hello. My name is Scott Rogers, and this is the MDRT Podcast. That was Clay Gillespie asking Malcolm Baxter what Malcolm has planned for his retirement at the 2014 Top of the Table annual meeting in San Francisco. Malcolm and his daughter, Katie, made up half of a panel discussion on succession planning, which was moderated by Clay. On the other half of the panel were the father-son combo, Leon and David Levy. After asking Malcolm about retirement, Clay turned to Leon. Well, I'll tell you what I'm retiring. I'm retiring my old clothes. <laughs> Gone out and buying a new wardrobe. <laughs> Love to get dressed up every morning. Lay my clothes out at night, know what I'm going to wear the following day. Uh, I love getting dressed, going to the office. I love the atmosphere of what we have. I have an office that has the skyline. But uh, you get to a point at an age where you get on the phone and have some fun. And retire, I don't want to use the word age, at my experience, you get on the phone and have some fun. At the same time, you've outlived a lot of other people, and you become the doctor, you become the lawyer, you become the person they call, help me get something done. And that's, the, that's part of my job, too. So I tell everyone, I'm in my third job. I would have liked to have been a doctor. Second, I would have been a rabbi. And I'm this, now in this third job, I do a little bit of both. So uh, I'll give you another thought process in case you haven't done it yet, which probably should go with that. And I ask a lot of people when I chat with them, how many of you in this audience have bought your old cemetery plot? Look at that. One hand, two hands. Guys, do you want to have some fun? Go buy a cemetery plot. <laughs> <laughs> if I had the time, we made it a family function. We went out shopping for a cemetery plot. Remember, someone else is making that decision for you. Where I come from, it's usually in 24 hours. Someone's making that decision. You want to do some advanced estate planning on yourself, find out where you're going to spend eternity. <laughs> you want to talk about retirement? Talk about eternity. <laughs> we did that. I hate to tell you what it cost me, and it's still in the process. But this decision was made by David, Victor, David's wife, Victor's wife, the whole family. If you want to come around, I think I got room for you too. <laughs> I'm not retiring. Today we're going to be bringing you the first part in a series on business continuation planning. This term really sums up a lot of issues financial advisors around the globe are facing today. 
succession planning, retirement, adding value to your business, these all go under the business continuation planning umbrella. Beyond the terminology, the key issues are universal to anyone in any field, really. These are the same issues you sit down and work through with your clients. What am I going to do when I retire? Do I even want to retire? For Leon, this answer is a clear no. We talked to three members who were either going through the process of looking to sell their business or actively acquiring the businesses of others. They are Kyle Atkins, Spartanburg, South Carolina. Bill Canary, Toledo, Ohio. John Homer, Salt Lake City, Utah. Here they begin by discussing the reality that time has run out. Succession planning is no longer a term floating off in the horizon. It's here, and they need to take action. I've reached the point in my career where it's a reality and not just theory. You know, when you do succession planning for clients, it's everything that we've learned, everything that we've taught, everything that we know. When you get into it with yourself, all of a sudden it's reality. And finding the right person is uh, is not just a matter of saying well, somebody will want my practice or I want somebody to take over. There's just a lot of things that I didn't expect. There's a there's emotion involved. There's pride of ownership and I want things done my way or this way or that way. And uh, it doesn't always work out the way that you think it would. I, I thought I had my successor in office and online and after seven years of working together, he decided that he didn't want to work in that office and didn't want to do what I was doing. And so he wanted to go a little bit different direction. Things evolved over time and that's fine. It's good to find that out ahead of time rather than, you know, after the fact. But it's, it's reality now. John, can I ask you a question? And the reason I'm asking this is I'm in the middle of purchasing a practice from one of the guys who is retiring in our office and um, we haven't established a way of figuring out how much it's worth. Have you done that? Well, I haven't, uh, but I say that a little bit hesitatingly because, you know, I've talked with different people. The, the biggest part of my practice for the last 20 years has been uh, working with people that have been older, 70 to 90 years old, and doing large uh, transactions that are one-time transactions. It's not like there's ongoing things. Um, there is some renewal income, but I want to keep that renewal income. I'm not interested in selling the, the renewal income. And it's not likely that someone who I sold at age 80, 10 years later, is going to be buying something at age 90. So, you know, there's not a lot in that. So I don't know that the model that your practice is worth so much can be universally applied. Another model that I'm familiar with that I've used in buying practices before is that I agree upon a split business that is written during the next five years. So if it's written in the next year after I do the business, it's a higher split than it is if it's written five years from now. And anything that's after that time, then there's no split. So the money comes up front, but it's based on what actually comes out of the transition as opposed to on the come, and I quite like that model. So you're going to stay licensed? I'm going to stay licensed. All right, in this case, it, it was, the guy just dropped his license October 31st, and so he is not entitled to, we don't think, his renewals because he's not right. licensed, so we've got to come up with a formula, mm -hmm. and that's what I'm looking for But right do you now. get the renewals? Will the company 
continue those two that's, use? That's what we're working on. Uh -huh. Yeah. We assume that's going to happen. And that depends but, on the company. But I don't know, and that's why I was asking you guys if you've had any. You know, the thing that I found again, Bill, in, in looking at that is the situation where, as you just mentioned, you know, if you've got a, you're buying a practice and that person's not staying in the business, most broker-dealers will not allow you just to do a payout from a standpoint of, hey, we'll just give you whatever this thing generates in the next three or four years. As a rule, you have to have a fixed price on the securities piece of it, especially, because, you know, an unlicensed person cannot receive securities or security commissions. So I think it's very important, in my opinion, you know, to, be, to get a third party to assess, you know, and figure out what the practice is worth, the, 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 the general idea or general thought is, as you and I would say, is wow, I see a, a bucket of opportunity and you will be able to make gold out of it. However, when you actually put the numbers to it, as has been mentioned, there's a lot of things that impact that. So if you've got renewals, that impacts it. If you've got recurring revenue from securities business, that impacts it. If it's all just transactional, where it was the big hits up front, and yeah, there's some good people there, but there's not a lot of regular recurring revenue. That's where the difficulty and the pricing comes in. So I would highly recommend, and I bought one from a good friend, you know, so I bought his practice. He had a number that I felt, I felt like it was fair, but the facts are, when you dig into it, you know, if they've, if they've built their practice around one specific kind of product, you know, you may even have a bunch of clients that are really not real happy. You know, so it may look like opportunity, and that, yeah, it will be. But you need to know that, you know, that here's, the, here's the real number, you know, that comes to play and have that thing kind of, kind of analyzed, I believe, by somebody else. Right. And that's just my opinion. Yeah, and that's what, that's what I told the other guy. Mm -hmm. You know, he's turned 75 this year, and he said, Bill, uh, I'm not making much anymore, and mm -hmm. the E&O and all the other fees sure. are eating into his profit. Mm -hmm. So, um, I, like you, said to him, Kyle, that we need to get a third party to look at it, but I just want to know what you guys Of course, having a successor in place is key to making this transition work and to retain the value of your practice. As much as business continuation planning is about ensuring the continued success of your business after you've stepped away, it's also about letting your clients know that there is a plan in place, with or without you, that they'll be taken care of. Which, again, it's good to know people that's been around 20 years. You know, that's a huge advantage. You know, my son's in the business with me, and John, I'm not sure. I think he's going to stay. I think he loves it. I think he wants to do it. But I know he's not ready yet. But 10 years from now, you'll know. Well, 10 years from now, I hope to know. Yeah, I mean, yeah, absolutely. Let's, let's hope. Well, and that's absolutely. good if you get 10 years to, to work right. through that. Sure. Uh, the, the, the real challenge, I think, is getting the right match. Yes. Because you don't want to get somebody who, who says, well, I'm going to... I'm going to do this, right? And then they kill the practice, and they haven't finished the the buyout. You know, you've done it over a little bit of time. Absolutely. And then you got it back again, and it's in shambles. I mean, right. I've seen that happen. And that's you know, I think that's one of the bigger challenges for those of us that have built it and love it, and we love our clients. We do anything in the world for the people we work with now. Right. So what I've seen, and again, it was mentioned as we were discussing this several weeks ago, is it's almost a you know, a performance buyout. So in other words, if you're spreading this thing over several years and there's a drop in revenue from one year to the next, that's a big signal for you who have sold it. You may not get all your money. Yeah, I think there's a, I think there's a, a really good way to uh, approach this. It's uh, one that's recommended by some of those who have been down the path before, and that is 
go through a courtship, you go through a marriage. Sure. And uh, a good way to do that is you, you find somebody that you think is the person you want to take over. You bring them in, you give them, you know, say 10 of your uh, clients. Maybe they're people that are not on your A list, but they're on your B or C list sure. that you haven't seen for a while and have them go out and do a service call, mm -hmm. give them instruction about them and see how they do. Mm -hmm. And then come back the next week and do that again and do that for uh, six to eight weeks and see what is the result. Do they get along? Do they produce? Do they sure. handle it the same way that you do? And in that time period, you're communicating back and forth so they understand how you interact with your clients. And I think that dating period is a pretty important thing. I think it's, I agree 100%. I think, again, that's if, you have the, if we have the time to do that, that's, that's marvelous. The bigger question for me is if I had a stroke yesterday and now my son, who's 30, is there, you know, viably, if I got it, if I got it figured out myself, do I know what my business is even worth if somebody else came along and said, hey, we want to pay you for this business. Well, and do you have somebody standing in the wings who's capable of doing mm -hmm. what you do? Uh, if an agent is working in sophisticated markets where there's strategies involved that are not right. on the street common mm -hmm. things, uh, that's an issue. I mean, you just, yeah. it's not everybody that can walk in and, that's right. and uh, you know, step into your shoes. That's correct. So, I mean, you got to look at the reality of what is your practice mm -hmm. and what have you created and what's the monster you've created. Absolutely, that's right. That's because right. if you've got, if you got a bunch of split dollar, you got a bunch of estate planning cases, you've sure. got, you know, whatever it is. Yeah. You can't hand that off to a rookie. You can't hand it off to that's a rookie. Right. And so it's that's not right. a matter of taking a green pea that True. would love to step in. It's a matter of getting somebody that's got some experience. And that's that's challenging. And that's kind of where I've been, is that I've, I've got that type of thing in my uh, in my book. Mm -hmm. Somebody who has got the experience doesn't necessarily, um, they, they aren't out looking for another practice. Right. They're, they're building their own, they're doing their thing. Sure. And uh, so it's it becomes a little bit challenging. So it's not something that you just say, "Oh, I think I'll retire next year." That's right. Let's uh, let's fix it. That's and right. that's the reality that that if if you don't plan for, it, you're going to be faced with. This has been part one on business continuation planning. Next time we'll be back with a perspective from members at a different stage of their careers. To hear the full panel discussion featured in this episode, visit mdrtstore.org. Special thanks to Kyle, Bill, and John for participating in this episode, and our producer, Steve Saltarelli, for bringing this all together. If you have any comments or suggestions for things you'd like to see in future episodes, feel free to email us at podcasts at mdrt.org. I'm Scott Rogers. See you next time.